1: Well, we hear debate all the time about how a media channel can work wonders for driving brand consideration and sales, but really, do we find case studies where just one channel was used to really prove the effectiveness of that channel and what the business results were? So, how about this? This week, we've got two case studies. Ingham's Group CMO said Brandt was possibly a small-s skeptic on whether out-of-home could really move past the spray-and-pray audience targeting of the past and demonstrate hard business results, but he's since seen the evidence to move his views. Ingham tested Omedia's network on its new free-range chicken as the only media channel it used to promote the product and purchase lifted 30%. And incidentally, more than two-thirds of buyers were new to the category. In another case in consumer goods, where again O's network was the exclusive channel partner to promote the campaign, buyer uplift rocketed 80%. Omedia is pushing hard to leap traditional audience measures and incorporate sales impact via quantum data, and it seems to be working. So joining Seb Brandt from Ingham's for a fast unpack of all this is Bahamia CEO Brett Dawson and Omedia's Group Director of Product Strategy, Belle Harper. Welcome to you all. And Seb, let's start with you. And first up, as I mentioned, you possibly still needed some convincing on the real targeting potential and business impact from out of home uh, before this Free Ranger campaign started. Just tell us, uh, Seb, what were some of your reservations and what shifted your viewpoint? And welcome, by the way. Thanks for joining.
2: Happy to be here. Look, I think um, to your question, it's a reticence often around, um, around single channel, but also particularly outdoor, particularly static outdoor where... You know, food is such a an emotive, um, category, and 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 chicken particularly is 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 so loved by all. It's the number one protein in Australia by, by a long way. And I guess I was skeptical of its ability to, just with a mix of kind of a little bit of static, a little bit of digital out of home to, to soullessly drive shoppers to the shelf, um, and you know, and typically we'd done things that had a in store, out of home, and then often a digital overlay. And when offered the opportunity to kind of test, test the theory, uh, I, I was I sceptical was and, and we did go into it, honestly, probably not expecting much.
1: Why did you end up being convinced? Uh, you, your reservations were static and what got you over the line to say, yeah, let's give this a go?
2: A couple of reasons. There's a data set called Quantium, which which hopefully you and most of the listeners know, but effectively it's the Woolworths rewards card data washed with some of the NAD credit card data and, and we buy that as a business. You know, we we um, we enjoy a wonderful relationship with Woolworths in terms of supply of chicken, both branded and, and private label, and and obviously... You know, they, they capture that data and, and, and Quantium uh, massage it. And, and so we had recently bought Quantium as a, as a data set into our business to inform our decision making. And what we, you know, when the O Media guys came to us, it kind of made sense to test just how far that Quantium data could take us in terms of identifying locations. That, that was one. And then, and I think two, there, there wasn't really much to lose. I mean, I think, I think with a new brand, we're often we're often a bit guarded, but I'm I think new brands and fresh brands are the are the ones you take chances on, right? You try something new.
1: Before we get into the media part of it, the actual product itself, right? I've bought it, I've cooked it, I've done a whole roast actually. Uh, so there you go, I'm I'm a fan. The rationale for launching Free Ranger in the market at this point, what were you seeing in terms of demand or expectation or consumer trends that got you that got you there in the first
2: place? I mean, we continue to see the growth of free-range chicken all over the world, but particularly in Australia, it's obviously higher welfare for the birds, and and we, um, and, and we're very focused on on the welfare of our birds, and so you know we're always keen to elevate, um, you know, our flock up into free-range wherever we can. Um, we saw a big opportunity to launch a brand that had provenance. So this this particular brand is is routed in into the Mornington Peninsula down to Victoria we saw a brand opportunity around um, raised without antibiotics um, and a brand opportunity around veggie fed. And so if you combine all those three kind of attributes, we felt that Australian consumers were ready for a new brand in the free range market that could cut through and quite frankly, um, negate a lot of the negatives that are associated with and can be associated with, with chicken production. Look, many of them are myths. Um, you know, For example, hormones haven't been in chicken since 1968. Um, but, but a lot of people believe that they are. And so, we, you know, it was a great opportunity to kind of help educate consumers, take them on the journey. And then as to your point, actually, um, it tastes delicious, and that's mainly due to the fact that it's veggie-fed. It has a, a very silky, smooth taste. And so when we put the product into sensory research for the, uh, versus other free-range brands and, um, and other brands on the market, we, we kind of were pretty, pretty convinced we had a good product, which is obviously the first you know, your starting point.
1: And the underlying consumer interest was there, I guess. That, that's building, that's been building for some time, hasn't it?
2: Has been building for some time. I mean, we see it in, in, in eggs. You know, beer's probably another example you wouldn't have thought of, but th- this is craft beer, right? This is unique. This is from Byron Bay. It's not from Byron Bay, but it's kind of this, you know, it's the stone and wood of, of chicken. And that and that's where buyers are heading.
1: So you launched Free Ranger before you did any any marketing behind it, and this was the first effort. Have I got that right, or have I missed it up?
2: So we actually launched during COVID, which COVID one? Yes, <laughs> or as someone said to me the other day, it's the same COVID. <laughs> but yeah, we launched in May last year, twenty twenty. Um, which was a big call yeah. to launch a brand in the middle of COVID when people were at home not shopping online, and we sort of rode through through that first wave. Um, and we, we again we didn't support it because it it really takes time for a protein brand to get on every single shelf, for the store managers to get comfortable putting it on display, and for um, and for consumers to start seeing it week in week out. So yeah, this this campaign we're talking about will be was the first campaign that people saw from from the brand. And so we'll unpack
1: the strategy and the campaign in a, in a little bit, but what were the results, Seb? What were the numbers and what did it tell you about using a single channel?
2: So, look, obviously a mult- multitude of measures. You know, the one that's most important to me always is, of course, um, le- less uh, media reach-related and more sales-related, but um, we saw 30% of people who bought the product um, were new to the new to the product and new to the category, so that's extraordinary for people to be to have so many new buyers come in. Um, we, we also saw that we were able to grow the category and grow the number of buyers at sort of 10X of the category growth rate by doing this sort of campaign. And really pleasingly, and this is, I think, you know, if you were going to give an elevator pitch to someone, um, of all the people that bought the Free Ranger during the sort of campaign period, 72% of them were new to the brand. So they had not tried it, they had not tasted it, they had not seen it, they had not heard of it and that's it that's sort of the probably the killer number you know we picked up a few points of market share around free range and so on but but that new to brand i mean that's what we want right
1: so brett dawson did these results from what Ingham has saw, seen with the with the free ranger? did they surprise you with sort of this whole sort of single or media channel mix of one is that surprising in your in in, in the business
3: hey macca well they didn't surprise me i suppose the the scale the size of the results were a little surprising we we're expecting a positive a positive result um look instinctively for a media planner if you if you focus in and around where high propensity purchases uh live and shop you're going to get a better result um so we had a, a fairly Good degree of confidence going in that we were going to get a good result. We worked closely with um, Bell and the team at O Media on the campaign. Um, so yeah, we, we weren't at all surprised. We were, we were we were pleased with the scale of the result.
1: Is this unusual? Explain to me. I'm i clearly not a not a media agency planner, or nor am I a CMO.
3: And it is a little a little a little bit new. So Seth mentioned the, mentioned the Quantium data set. Yeah. And so basically, what we've done here is we've identified where. Purchases of premium free range chicken live or more likely to live uh, and shop, and we've concentrated our campaign in and around those locations. Right. So it's, uh, you know, a real focus for effect. It's quite new in the outdoor sector, um, not that new in other sectors. So, um, whilst we'd see it work in other sectors, we're now applying the same media planning theory to the outdoor sector, and, and we've got we've got the result um and look we we really like what O is bringing to market at the moment we've tested it with a couple of clients and um we're talking about one today so you know it's working on two real key media principles the first is targeted placement but it's all about the data set so the quantum data set is um it's behavioral data it's not claimed data so this is we know fact where these, uh, where these consumers are living and shopping. So it's a really strong data set that we're using as the kind of the decision making uh, engine of where we place. But the other thing that O's bringing to the table is it's a combination of um, retail or in shopping centre and on the, in in the community and the street in and around the shopping centre. So in the communities in and around where people live. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. You're getting on-street presence where there's not as much clutter, better cut-through, and then in store presence as on your you know on your path in into purchase. So both of those two things com- combined is giving us with this, you know, the real smart decision-making engine that is the quantium data set, is giving us a really strong base to plan media on
1: and just you know to verify seb's reticence how difficult was it to convince him brett or was he actually open to good data
3: i think the data story just helped the conversation along um so what we're doing here is we're mitigating risk and you can show how it's working in other in other channels and you know how we think it will work in this channel Um, so it definitely helped the conversation it's just smart smart media planning and buying
1: Yes. And, and, and Bell Harper, maybe just elaborate a little bit on how this worked on the ground or on the screens, if you like, and in, in, in some of the areas. I, explain a little bit of how you approached it.
0: Yeah. So we we really had a, a big think about the business, the shape and size of the business post the ad shell acquisition. And we realised pretty quickly that we had really strong reach in individual channels. So, you know, billboards and airports and office towers, retail and then we were bringing street furniture into the mix and the scale of the business, you know, became very exciting all of a sudden. And when we say scale, we kind of, you know, started to look at how we're talking about one piece of creative being able to reach, you know, 80 or 90% of a Metro audience. So initially we used move data to understand the performance of the network as a common sector currency. Um, and what we quickly realized and and probably Brett was one of the the earliest conversations that I had about this is you know these initial results in terms of the ability to you know to really scale across multiple environments multiple formats was was really powerful so initially we're kind of looking at things like you know main grocery buyers o g ones and and realizing that the small format network had that reach over the campaign period but the, I guess the, the 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 breakthrough for us was really about the the quantum data, as the as the guys have pointed out. It was we'd been using it for a couple of years to kind of validate the way the market was buying rather than informing how we could reach those volumes of audience. So, you know, knowing that reach capability across the network, we we started to really want to understand how can we deliver for brands, you know, how can we use it to reach the right audiences at scale?
1: As one of you mentioned earlier, that was people in the in the market or more likely to buy chicken or was it something separate to that
0: we actually worked with analytic partners on an ROI study so they they do they a lot of you know clients will know about them they're a leading market mix modeling firm so they take a pool of about 12 billion dollars of media spend across all channels and examine, you know, the media attribution of about 200 or so Australian brands. And what we found for out of home is the best campaign results, and and when I say the best results, the campaigns that delivered significantly higher ROI was achieved by, you know, maximising reach of the audience, planning to a category buyer, so planning to people who already transacted within that category and in the case of Inghams, you know, that was top chicken buyers versus let's say, main grocery buyers, um, what we saw with analytic partners was that ROI actually doubled when it was planned that that way. So um, the other kind of key attributes for ROI was around using, you know, multiple channels, which is really about the efficiency of using multiple channels to, re- to to reach audiences quickly and use that mix of classic and digital. So yeah, there's a big focus on digital right now and it is part of the picture, but without classic, you kind of lose that share of voice and share of time, and you don't have the benefit of using the sheer scale of classic inventory on offer.
1: You've also got, Bell. Um, there's another example in consumer goods sector that's seen some really strong results as well. I think we, we talked earlier, 80%, I think it's a number, but you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Give us a quick lowdown on that particular case study, what you saw there, uh, Bell.
0: Yeah, so we worked with uh, another leading FMCG brand um, to plan their campaign placement across our small format network, so retail and street furniture. And the way we um, helped to plan that was to reach 85% of their Quantium audience segment. So the the way it works is the transactional data is mapped to each of our 35,000 locations, and that's the basis of the Smart Reach campaign planning tool, which we also used... um, for the Ingrams campaign so the way that that works is we're targeting audiences based on what they actually spend so very specific audiences and then we optimize against our live avails to reach the highest volume of that quantium segment so in this particular case we're talking about that was 85 percent of metro-based flavored snack buyers. So the next step for us is there's the planning process, but really it's about, you know, kind of closing the loop on that and talking about, you know, the brand buyer tracking and behaviours that come off the back of that. So through Quantium, we can analyse the supermarket transactions for the month prior to and then during the campaign and for the month after and measure the uplift of the buyers for and also within the category. So that's that's a real breakthrough because that hasn't happened before. So that's really exciting. So for this campaign we actually saw an 80% increase in buyers, which was an incredible result and it significantly outperformed the category. So
1: And again it was a one channel buy, it was just just your network, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other part for this uh, campaign as well um, was that it was really interesting that most of uh, the competitive brands had a price promotion during that tracked period. So while this p- particular brand didn't, it really demonstrated the power of using this approach to attract more buyers when the product's not actually on sale. So that was a really great outcome for the client as well.
1: So it's protecting margin. You'll be even more of a superhero.
0: Well, we're trying. We're doing everything we can.
1: <laughs> i have to ask, Belle, what was the brand?
0: I can't talk about the brand yet, but I will talk to you soon about
1: it. you now you're in trouble you've logged that I'm going to follow you up so so listen <laughs> just on um, on this sort of this way that out of home's been bought you are of the view that traditional out of home media planning um, approaches are sort of shifting very very quickly to this is this the, is this the new way or a way what do you, how would you define it
0: So I think for us, what we're trying to really do is understand the performance of the network and make sure that we're delivering results for clients. So that's been the real shift is, you know, not just about proximity, not just about panel numbers, not just about proximity to a supermarket. It's actually about the volume of audience that you're delivering for a a client. And that's what's really important and what we're seeing.
1: In a category, I guess, is your point there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We have seen as a result of um, a shift in the way people are thinking about planning out of home, that they're really moving towards, um, in particularly in the retail sector, proximity to a store. The challenge for marketers is that that's not a proxy for audience volume and our approach is really about how do we find the largest volume of audiences, how do we find the, the guys that are actually transacting within the category and we know when we do that we can deliver double, double the ROI of campaigns that just plan to demographics. So that's what's really exciting is the focus is about effectiveness, it's not about you know, numbers of panels and, and restricting ourselves to specific environments, we're thinking about it more holistically across the sector.
1: I think you've said, uh, Belle, that ROI in retail media has dropped a little bit, actually. is, is that Did I hear that right?
0: Yeah, we, we have seen over the last uh, couple of years, um, we have seen a decline of about 15%. That really is attributed to that obvious shift in the way retail media is now being bought. It's really focused on proximity to supermarket. The challenge with that. Is that proximity and panel numbers aren't a proxy for audience volume. So, we've seen new entrants come into the retail channel who are really focused on small and extra small centres. And I guess the the challenge with that is many of those centres only reach you know ten or twenty thousand unique um, customers a week. So there's a common misconception that if you share the buy of retail in particular amongst suppliers, you naturally kind of dupl- you're naturally going to grow that audience. But in fact you start to duplicate that audience so The other other component is really about, you know, if you limit your reach to within 10 metres of a register, again, you're restricting your ability to find the right audience at scale. So our focus is very much on allowing our agencies and clients to use a much more informed approach, which is using that robust data source, which is based on what people spend to optimise the placement of the campaign and find the audiences who transact in that category.
3: It's a bit like how the evolution of TV went from spots counting the number of spots right to um counting the reach or the audience and the quality yeah totally. and outdoor used to go number of panels and cost per panel well it's a it's a vanity metric it doesn't matter it's going to be yeah you know audience level and quality of audiences opportunity to see is the evolution that we're seeing in our home, and it's got it, my God, is it welcomed? Yeah,
1: and so so for a for a layperson like me, the way I'm reading this is that in, proximity is a is a very tempting tool or, or application for for a lot of uh, packaged goods companies. But actually, what you're trying to do is, if you're a, a free range chicken buyer like I am, and a craft beer buyer like I am, you might find me somewhere that's not necessarily outside a supermarket, and that's how that's what you're talking about here, Belle. Am I getting that right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So
1: proximity... Proximity, I want to ask you, Brett Dawson, the point's just been made that there's a lot of uh, brands uh, and agencies piling in on proximity at a retail level, not necessarily the best choice. It's tempting, though. It makes sense, doesn't it, on, on the surface for proximity?
3: Yeah, I'd rather call it you know, on a journey. It does absolutely make sense. So if you're on a journey to purchase or on a path to purchase uh, and the, the role of this part of the communication is to prompt uh, on that path to purchase, yes, let's do that. But proximity doesn't have to be the lowest common denominator, like two meters away, because you know the closer you get, the more visual noise there is in this particular case of of um, <clears throat> of outdoor. And also, let's face it, the way shopper missions are at the moment, you kind of got your blinkers on, right? <laughs> it's like a thoroughbred in a horse race. You're kind of in focused, masked on in out um so potentially on that path to purchase maybe um uh you know may, may, maybe on the on the on the on the arterial on the way in or the the, the street the street nearby that you, the, 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 you know majority of traffic path is, passes through to enter the shopping center is just as good or even better it's a cleaner environment you're going to get more of a more audience and in a a mindset that's more open to being receptive to that message at the time. The declining
1: ROI, Brett, that sort of makes sense to you because there's so much noise uh, and action happening there. Does that that gel with you?
3: Two things, that and duplication. Bell hit on it as well. So what we're trying to do here, return on investment is simple as, you know, amount invested versus return. So if you're investing money on the same audience, they're only gonna buy, in our case, one free ranger or one shot worth of free ranger in that in that mission so what you want to do is you want to find the the the, you know the broadest on target audience you can for that investment um and present the brand in the most receptive way and you're going to get the best return on investment so it's duplication
1: right seb i'm really interested in your take on this because you know so much talk from the market at large is influencing the moments before the purchase decision and proximity has been one way that's sort of it's common sense. It's safe. It seems, it it sort of seems to all line up, but we're seeing that maybe it's tallying off again. What's your take on, on, on proximity?
2: I'm with Brett. I think it has to play a role as part of a journey, you know, and, and, and if you, if you believe, if you believe in the Byron Sharp school of thought around mental availability, which
1: most of us do. Yes.
2: I don't speak for my company. I speak for myself here. Um, then therefore I want you to, you know, in a low-involvement category like chicken, and when I say low-involvement, incredibly high penetration, incredibly high frequency, but, you know, you get to the to the storefront and it's just, can be just, just chicken, um, you know, I want you to see uh, an outdoor, you know, a, a, a static outdoor on the way. I want you to see um, a proximity, um, beautiful digital out of, you know, right outside the store, and then when you get to the, you know, the moment of truth, the moment of purchase, I want you to see my message again, actually. So um, I, I think they work together really, really well and, 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 and proximity for us plays a, um, a really, really key role and the closer the better. Um, because as Brett says, right. especially when you get into categories like the freezer where there's, you know, 15 types of nuggets, mm-hmm. Um if I can, if I can get my message through to you that the Inghams one is better because of X, Y, and Z, or tastes better because of X, Y, and Z, I'm going to take that opportunity every, every time, and then and then it becomes about mix 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 of mediums.
1: Right, and then I guess it's the waiting because what we're talking about here is finding those category buyers that,
2: that you may miss them at at, at at close to store level, but you'll get them somewhere else. And that's what Brad talked about as prime. Like, how do I get someone like my absolute? dream scenario is that someone doesn't write chicken on the shopping list, they write Free Ranger Whole Bird or Free Ranger Chicken or Ingham's Chicken. That's, That's the dream. And so therefore, I have to be in that prime. And,
1: and that, that mix of what we're talking about is, is, so it's not putting all your eggs in one basket. Sorry, I had to do that. But it's spreading the mix, if you like. So what next, Seb? This, this has worked for you. You're happy with the results, clearly, um, good numbers. What next? Will you do more? And how often can you do single-channel campaigns? Do you like them? Do you want to do more of them?
2: I, look, I love single-channel because you can measure the effectiveness. Right. We're not trying to figure out if, if the TV worked or the radio worked or the print worked. Um, so I am I'm all up for single channel, especially as relates to innovation, because I think then you've just got a really really clean read on did I attract consumers? Did they did they pick it up, um, and did they come back and buy it? Which is the beauty of this product, particularly we're talking about in terms of the quantum. O, o, you know O Media are going to be able to tell me did they repurchase it, as relates to moving forward. You know because my beefs always been if I'm driving down the M2 or the Tullamarine Freeway and I see a massive big you know billboard for a brand that's only available in Woolworths, well, half half of my money straight up is, is wasted, right? Because I you know, if I don't shop at Woolies, then if I'm a cold shopper, which is about half of Australia, that, that's kind of wasted. I think the product that we're talking about here and the data set that, that Omedia have used here, um, you know, really um, just, just sharpens the pencil a bit. And I think um, you know, I'd, I'd definitely be open for using this product again and I think probably also get smarter each time, right? We learnt um, with O and, and, and Boho, we, we learnt probably a few tweaks we might make next time and, and so therefore it just gets better you know, each time you run it.
1: Well, once again, we like we've talked about channel and the merits of channel. Um, we haven't talked about the message or the creative, which is obviously even in, I think, in, in, in O's research with uh, analytics partners, correct me if I'm wrong, Bell, um, it's a really big 50% of the impact goes down to creative, I think. Am I am I getting that right? 41%
0: actually, yeah. I'll oh,
1: give or take 10 points. No, <laughs> no big deal, but I ta- yes. So it's still quite significant, right?
0: It is, absolutely, yes. And, you know, I think that's high on everyone's agenda. But, you know, I mean, as an outdoor business, there's only so much we can control. And I think, you know, getting the placement right and then, you know, working with our partners on how we can optimise creative, you know, whether that's... um, Well, look, I, I, there's a there's a few things up our sleeves, so we'll, we might talk about that down the track. But, um, yeah, it plays a huge role and, you know, it's it's as big as the placement, really. So we're excited about what's coming.
1: So before we wrap this up, Seb, really interested in... Um Um, Just what you're seeing now in this new lockdown phase, you know, it sort of feels like it's, you know, we're all, uh, I think, coming to grips with the fact that this is going to probably be a bit longer than we'd hoped. uh, And that's starting to land uh, with all of us. What are you seeing now? How are consumers buying? Are they behaving differently than what they did maybe in other phases of previous phases of the lockdown? And how are you responding with your marketing? efforts? what are you doing differently? Are you changing it all up?
2: I mean, the obvious one is, you know, increase in retail, decrease in what we call food service, so pubs, clubs and restaurants or, or horica in, in other lang- in other categories, that's fairly evident. You know, QSR is holding up pretty well, but obviously mostly through the drive through. so that does change the mix of, of, of food. Particularly in retail, we're seeing a shift away from what we call deli behind the glass, which is where you... You know, you ask the person serving for, you know, two kilos of chicken breast. Yeah, right. More towards the, the trays. Is
1: that because of branding or pack? What's that about, Seb?
2: Probably, um, you know, a combination of a lot of factors. But, you know, they they, they know that the, the product that's in the tray has been sealed, potentially has a brand on it that they recognise, um, be, be it Macro or the Free Ranger or what have you. Right. And they perhaps don't want others, you know, kind of touching their food, yeah. So we're seeing, you know, pretty, pretty strong up, uplift in retail. What's the quantum there, Seb? What is that? What is
1: that percentage? Any numbers to hand?
2: Oh, I, I absolutely do, but I'm I'm not willing to share them.
1: Oh, that's a pity. I won't ask again. Then I'll try that next time.
2: I, I look. I would just say, um, you know, think about your own behaviour.
1: It's significant, though, right?
2: Think about your own behaviour if you're not popping down to the local Mexican. And by the way, I believe you're from Port Macquarie. There's an incredible Mexican up there called La Bonita something or other.
1: Yes. If you, well, next time you do that, you must phone.
2: <laughs> um, but, you know, think about your own behaviour, how much chicken you're having at home versus out of home. And, you know, you'd be able to probably figure out the, the delta. And look, luckily we were able to organize to have the freezer oil opposite the toilet paper oil. We've sort of organized that, you know, in advance. <laughs> so um, as the toilet paper rush happens, we've, uh, we've enjoyed a good uh, a good uplift Grab in our freezer one. products. Grab a
1: chook as well. But what are you doing with your marketing though? Um, so are you changing what you're doing in this current phase or are you just holding the line?
2: Yeah, look, we, we have shifted in terms of our um, our proximity in our retailer-owned media. Um, we have shifted that a little bit more away from in-store to online for for obvious reasons, um, and so that that's one adjustment we've made. But look, I'm um, I, I really think if we if we as an industry try and wholesale change our habits to to beat this thing, you know, we do we're, every day. It's different, right? Every every day it takes a twist and a turn, and we'll never let, we'll never outrun it. We'll never I guess it. So I'm kind of thinking, hold the line, stick with things we know are true. Um, and, 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 and continue to, to target uh, the right consumers with the right messages, make sure my product's on shelf, well-priced, best, best ever quality, and we sort of play from there. We, we haven't really made too many shifts to our marketing.
1: And you probably don't need to, right? You're in food and you're in a essential service and, and, and so forth. There's probably You're less impacted, I am imagining, than, s- say, other categories where things just stop.
2: Oh, look, we are, but that comes with great responsibility, right? When there's a rush for a, a, a lockdown, um, we feel huge responsibility to be able to make sure consumers actually buy the product. So, you Fair. know, I'm on more calls now about supply than I am demand. You know, whilst, whilst yeah, we, you know, we're feeding Australia, right? So, we, we, and we take that, we take that very seriously. And so, um, that comes with its own, its own challenges.
1: Brett, what are you seeing? We've seen it obviously in in chicken and, and in food. What are you seeing now uh, across your broader client base and how they're responding to this current phase uh, of COVID?
3: Well, mate, it's a bit different than than last time, which is uh, for a media boss, uh, a welcome change. Yes. Uh, I would say it's cautious, cautious confidence. You can see in the latest SMI data how how the how the industry is kicking. And look, compared to last year, it was last year was a retreat, batten down the hatches. What is this unknown? Now it's uh, let's continue to invest. Let's let's invest smartly. Let's invest in our brand. Um, but let's do so uh, in a way, or with terms that allow for flexibility uh, and adaptability, uh, as as local governments kind of chop and chop and change. And and the media uh, must be commended on their ability to um, kind of evolve terms and be be, be more flexible with us um, and our spend. So yeah. Uh, much better um, a good confident, a good confident quarter and and right through to Christmas actually uh, and and into early next year we're working on you know feb March April right now.
1: so it's holding it's holding because some of the anecdotal evidence, the conversations that I've had certainly the last few days is that, The realization this may go a little bit longer, so adjusting some tactical knobs, if you like, just in the short term. But you're not—that's not what you're you're experiencing.
3: Without doubt, without doubt, we're adjusting every day by market uh, as it as it unfolds. But um, as I said, a confident, cautious confidence that you know um, the economy uh, fundamentally is going going strong. And if you're in the sectors that are that are that are you know things like pharmaceutical, finance, retail, and you've got a couple of big clients that are um, linked to, to the home, um, and they're continuing continuing to power. So um, yeah, I, I think of course we're adjusting. Um, it's a daily adjustment, um, optimization game, um, but there is a real degree of a, a real degree of confidence. And I said as I said, a, a bit of a flight towards towards brand. And I also think it's so good to just have not as many brands in the market with the, you know using the word unprecedented or COVID or all that.
1: And we're here for you. We're
3: here for you. Uh, Crying your river stuff that went on last year. So clients are really just focusing on, on their own, just building their own distinctive brand and and looking to to win in the market that we're in.
1: Seb, so before I get to Belle to, for her take on, on the market, uh, on that point that uh, Brett talks about in terms of brand, what have you been doing? Is he, Are you more price off, discount to drive, even say the new product and Free Ranger and your other products? Or what are you doing in this whole brand? And performance drive drive some sales. That whole mix. Where do you sit on that?
2: I mean, obviously, um, you know, we don't set we don't set pricing. The, the retailers set pricing, um, so so we don't we don't influence their pricing strategy. But um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's really important. I think uh, always at launch to drive trial. Um, that, that's our number one goal because we back ourselves in from a product perspective. Um, that once people have had had our products, they'll drive it again. We've spent quite a bit of money on merchandising, on third-party merchandising. So having people literally walk into stores and make sure the products on show, price tickets are up, you know, clear, clearly, clearly marked. Um, we, we we obviously did this piece piece of work with Omedia. Media. Um, we've done a little bit um, with Woolies online of late um, in terms of the brand. Um, and at and then and at the moment we're in a we're in a bit of a holding pattern because we're just not sure. Kind of how the next couple of months will pay out in terms of supply. Um, so as I said, our, our focus at the moment is on is on supply um, r- rather than demand generation. Um, but but I, I'm pleased to say this this particular brand actually took a really big boost from from the work we did, um, and we also picked up a little bit more ranging and is continuing to grow. Um, it it is on sale once you know once a month. Um, which is determined by willies and we and we support them in within in that obviously um and so yeah that that's how the brand's kind of growing and then we'll look to to launch into more stores um within the woolies network and that'll be that'll be how we'll we'll grow
1: Belle, to wrap up, um, we have asked both Seb and, and, and Brett their takes on, on the market. What are you seeing from an O media perspective across the market uh, at present, the mood and the behaviour?
0: Uh, well, look, COVID definitely isn't out-of-homes best friend. You know, yes. we, we took a bit of a, a throttling last year and, um, you know, I think to Brett's point, you know, the, the, the sentiment this year is... Is is it feels quite different. I think people are quite optimistic, particularly around Q4, and once we get out of this, you know, all of us 15 million people, and I, I know Paul, you haven't haven't had to deal with this for very long, but um, you know, all of us 15 million people who are in lockdown for extended periods of time are very keen to get back to you know normality and get back to normal life, and and that's what we saw, you know, from from our telco data, you know, very quickly audiences bounce back, and we want that normality. So I think we're we're riding. The storm, which is you know not much fun for anyone, but we're we're getting there. So I get, I think we're using this time as a business really just to, you know, to to consolidate and educate on the work we've done with, um, you know, this this better ways to buy approach over the last couple of years, and really get out and educate the market on on what's possible and you know how to think about um, using us in the future. And I think you know while these particular case studies were unique in that, you know, these were major brands that were isolating that activity to out of home. You know, moving forward, we'll continue to push for growth of the sector. You know, we're, we're less than 5% still. So, you know, as a broadcast channel and and one that can, you know, drive these kind of outcomes, we're we're really hoping that it's going to be a very Busy couple of years ahead, and we're going to, you know, really set ourselves up to get the best out of our network scale and and our data capability moving forward. So it's a really exciting time, and it's been great working with these guys and and just having that trust to, you know, to to really show them, um, you know, the thinking and and how we can move the the industry forward.
1: Well, I I got to say the case studies were really interesting, and I hope um I like Seb. I I like to see I want to see more single media channel campaigns because I don't have to have this debate about who who delivered what. We know there was only one channel. It did it. That's an easy conversation to try and unpack. So let's do some more of that, please, Brett Dawson. Would you mind? So thanks, uh, both Seb, Brett, and Belle. Great conversation and and stay safe.
3: Thanks, Paul. Paul.
1: This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer, Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free.
0: Listen